This podcast is brought to you by GoMoto, the service lane kiosk that grows your business. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Hello and welcome to Daily Drive. It's Wednesday, May 18th. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. U.S. traffic deaths are up, European auto sales are down, and two more cities get cars with no drivers. Plus, how can big work trucks do less damage to the environment? We'll get into that a little later. First, let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. U.S. traffic deaths jumped 10.5% in 2021. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration estimates that 42,915 people were killed on American roads last year, the highest death toll since 2005. The increase was the largest since NHTSA adopted its current traffic fatality tracking system in 1975. The rise was largely a function of many more miles being driven, about 325 billion miles, or an 11.2% increase. So the preliminary estimate is that in 2021, there were 1.33 fatalities per 100 vehicle miles traveled, down ever so slightly from 1.34 in 2020, which was the highest rate since 2007. The biggest increases in 2021 involved multi-vehicle crashes and fatalities on urban roads, uh, both of which rose 16%. Bicyclist deaths and those involving speeding or alcohol rose only 5%. In Europe, new vehicle sales in April fell for the 10th straight month. Industry Association ACEA reporting that registrations in the European Union, Britain, and the European Free Trade Association fell 20% to 830,000 in April. The big problem, lack of parts. The ongoing semiconductor shortage, as well as fallout from Russia's invasion of Ukraine have crimped production for months. Stellantis led the slide with a 31% plunge. It saw big drops for its Peugeot, Citroen, Opel Vauxhall, and Jeep brands. Close behind was the Volkswagen Group, which saw sales fall 28%. And in Miami and in Austin, Texas, Self-driving startup Argo AI said it has launched driverless vehicles, but only for in-house testing. Argo, which is backed by Ford and Volkswagen, has tested its robo-taxis on public roads in both cities for several years, but until this week, it included safety drivers behind the wheel. For now, a spokeswoman said the driverless operations are focused on giving employees rides using the company's ride-hailing test app, Commercial operations, she said, will be introduced, quote, at the appropriate time. And one final note, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee today as we take the Automotive News Congress on the road. We have speakers from companies including General Motors, Nissan, Denso, and more. If you aren't meeting us at the Bell Tower today, you can still tune in to the live stream at autonews.com. The show gets started about noon central time. That's one in Detroit and New York. 10 a.m. on the West Coast. And that's the news you need to know. Coming up, battery-powered truck fleets, renewable hydrogen, and other ideas to make commercial transportation cleaner after the break. Listen to Fred Hayes, 
service manager at Temecula Valley Buick GMC, and Philip Candido, fixed operations director, talk about their experience with GoMoto in their service drive. Before GoMoto, the backups in the service lane were due to not being able to get to the customer in a, in a timely manner. There's times where menus are passed over where the advisor forgets to tell them, hey, it needs its major service. And now with the GoMoto, customers are presented with a maintenance package every time. The time freed up from not having the customer sitting in front of them every single time they come in. It helps them be more efficient. It helps them focus more on the customer's concern and the, the maintenance and service of the vehicle. Before GoMoto, we would average approximately 130000 in service gross. The kiosk in the service drive doubled the gross profit in the dealership. It's amazing, 100%. Using the GoMoto kiosk makes the dealership more profitable. Want to increase revenue, improve the customer experience, and maximize service efficiency just like Temecula Valley? Visit GoMoto.com to learn more. That's G-O-M-O-T-O dot com. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters. Trucks and other big vehicles that move goods and large numbers of people around tend to emit more carbon dioxide, soot, and other harmful pollutants than smaller vehicles do. Economies need them, but how can they be cleaner? Our John Irwin has been writing about a few of the ideas being explored, that can help businesses facilitate commerce while being better stewards of the planet. John Irwin, welcome back to Daily Drive. Thanks for having me again. John, you just got back from the ACT Expo. What is the ACT Expo? Uh, it's the Advanced Clean Transportation Expo. It's in Long Beach. It's 11 years old now. It's focused exclusively on uh, trucking, uh, class, eight, class seven, class eight, class four, class five, class six. Uh, basically anything but passenger vehicles. Uh, it's about 11 years old. Uh, it, it's been ramping up in popularity you know, quite a bit as electrification has really become such a key topic uh, in that sector as well uh, over the last several years and attendance has been jumping and it's a big deal now in that sector. Yeah, the trucks are an interesting case study both for electrification and cleaning uh, the, the system. And also, uh, we see it a lot in autonomy, where it, it brings a lot of things. And I don't know if they address that at ACT. It's not exactly a clean technology, but certainly uh, trucking is just getting a lot more interesting. While you were there, you, you wrote, a call, you wrote a, about a partnership between Penske Truck Leasing and Shell, not Shell Oil, but uh, Shell Recharge Solutions. So this is about charging? Yes, uh, Penske and Shell. Uh, you know, it's interesting. Shell, you wouldn't think necessarily, big oil giant like that would be uh, featured prominently at a clean transportation expo. But it's there essentially to uh, uh, show off what it's doing with fleet charging. It's been doing a lot, uh, trying to set up charging stations around the country, working with fleets, including Penske and its truck fleet. Uh, it'll be providing uh, charging stations for uh, a handful of locations around the country, primarily in California to start, but uh, moving around the country uh, as far east as Pennsylvania. So it's interesting just looking at uh, what even companies like Shell and other oil companies are doing to, you know, as electrification uh, takes off, as there are fewer vehicles powered by oil and gas on the road, obviously 
uh, that's a long-term threat to them if they were just to continue selling gas. So it's an interesting uh, look at what even companies like that are doing. Uh, moving yeah. Forward. Yeah. It's sort of a hedge, I guess, strategically, Yeah. probably also some good, some goodwill. I think, you know, sometimes maybe companies like that get accused of uh, greenwashing, trying to show off a few projects to make For it sure. look like they're doing more good, but um, it seems like they're pretty serious. It does. You know, they're, uh, again, they had a pretty large presence at the show, a couple different press conferences. Of course, it, it doesn't help or it doesn't hurt them that uh, uh, when starting projects like this, that, you know, they're under some uh, uh, government mandates over in Europe to work on projects like this, of course, but uh, they are putting you know, some money into this and uh, we're seeing, you know, more partnerships like this pop up. So uh, it, it's, they are serious about it, even if, you know, it, it we can talk about what the motivation might be uh, <laughs> at the very top uh, all day, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, well, partnering with a, a company like Penske Truck Leasing, that's a, that's an important step. You're probably not, uh, probably not just fooling around. Exactly. Yeah. And Penske, uh, on their part, they wouldn't want to fool around in that sort of thing either. You know, if they're signing a commitment like this, they, they would want these tractors up and running as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, they're depending on them. You also wrote about something called renewable diesel, and of course, diesel has become uh, quite the dirty word, but uh, it also really provides a lot of power. Uh, what is you know renewable diesel? How does it how does that happen, and what are, how does it improve the cleanliness, uh, help help the environment compared to regular diesel produced from oil? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, before the conference, you know, candidly, I didn't know too much about renewable diesel, but uh, there was a lot of talk about it there. Uh, essentially, it, it's diesel fuel made from you know, resources, you know, such as vegetable oils, different greases, that sort of thing. You know, these clean sources um, uh, that can, you know, go into a vehicle power and engine. Uh, it's interesting if you look at uh, some of these companies, you know, it's not only battery electric vehicles that they were showing off at the expo, only hydrogen, but uh, even vehicles powered by renewable diesel or even renewable natural gas. Uh, Volvo, for instance, you know, they're heavily involved in the trucking space. Uh, they see battery electric vehicles, uh, of course, playing a big role with Class 7 and Class 8 trucks and hydrogen vehicles. But uh, in the long run, they're even seeing uh, internal combustion engines sticking around for a while in large part because of renewable diesel. Uh, you know, they can, for the, especially these super long trips where maybe you can't you know, afford to wait for a long time, uh, but you still need to meet government mandates uh, for, for clean transportation. You know, this could be a way to do it. Uh, it's still an internal combustion engine, but it's powered by uh, a diesel that's, you know, not your traditional diesel that's going to uh, uh, contribute to carbon emissions and that sort of thing. So uh, it, it's interesting. We'll see what share of the market uh, that will take up. But right now, as with battery electric vehicles and hydrogen, it's still a very, very small portion of the market, but uh, there's a lot of talk about that in addition to electric vehicles and uh, hydrogen and that sort of thing. Yeah, it sounds like an interesting intermediate step uh, to, you know, utilize the diesel engines and vehicles that are already out there, uh, but maybe power them in a, in a cheaper way or in a cleaner way. Um, certainly, we hear a lot of uh, smart people saying, you know, in the future, some future state, uh, you know, when we would burn gas, like in a passenger car, it's probably when we would use an electric, you know, a plug-in <clears throat> battery car. And when we use diesel is when we would use hydrogen. But of course, make, manufacturing hydrogen 
can be a very dirty process. A lot of efforts around trying to figure out how to do that clean, uh, cleanly. Um, but that's interesting to see some uh, some work on on renewable diesel as well. Does yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that evolves. You know, there's all these new technologies coming up at once, and it's they're all going to be kind of vying for um, a share. But in the case of trucking, it's interesting just because, uh, like you said, you know, this could sort of be an intermediary step here. Um, even battery electric versus hydrogen. Um, uh, there are different use cases um, in those uh, for those vehicles as well. So uh, yeah, we'll see how this takes off uh, over the coming years and decades. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. A long game. Yeah, for uh, sure. You, uh, you also wrote about Bluebird, the school bus company, uh, it getting into electric vehicles. That seems really challenging uh, for something that size. Yeah, it was really interesting. You know, obviously Bluebird, you know, they've been making school buses, you know, since the 1920s. Uh, but, you know, they had a little press conference at the show uh, showing off their uh, uh, the new platform uh, for class five, class six vehicles uh, that they're showing off. Um, obviously, you know, they have about, uh, uh, they've been getting into the electric vehicle space for school buses. Um, they've sold about 500 uh, or so electric school buses over the last few years. Uh, it's obviously still you know, just a portion of uh, what they've sold overall, but it's you know becoming sort of a, that's where they're headed like everyone else. So uh, they sort of saw, hey, if we're building these buses, why don't we build these uh, this platform as well? Uh, they're, it'll be difficult for them, obviously, uh, to kind of ramp that up and to find the customers for it and that sort of thing. But if they can do it, uh, you know, they effectively see this, you know, doubling their potential market size uh, moving forward. So um, it, it's an interesting play here. And if it works out for them, it could pay off in the long run. But um, uh, we'll see how it works out over the next few years. Yeah, it seems like I said, they're just they're so, so heavy, especially when you load them up with with humans uh, of whatever size they are. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that that really is a challenge, but it's also such a great use case. You can see why some school districts maybe that are that are a little flush with cash would be like, let's get an electric school bus because you've got these young lungs, you know, where the trucks just are sitting there spewing out emissions. So, yeah, maybe do something, try something different. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, we're seeing, uh, you know, uh, obviously school districts and uh, city government states, you know, they're going to want, uh, you know, as part of their overall carbon uh, reduction plans. Uh, to, you know, the, the school buses are running five days a week, picking up kids all around the city. Um, that's obviously something that they can see as a way to hopefully cut down in emissions that way. So um, uh, that's, that's where things are headed. Like like with everything else, it seems like uh, on wheels, uh, uh, the future is electric there as well. Yeah, for sure. The one last thing I want to ask you about before I let you go, uh, we you had some uh, you wrote about some insights on battery prices. It sounds like the rate of progress in bringing costs down is, is kind of slowing. Is that right? Yeah, it's, you know, battery prices have been you know heavily impacted lately, of course, by uh, the rise in uh, commodities costs. You know, same thing we've talked a lot about with light vehicles. Same story in, uh, uh, for trucks as well. Um, it was interesting. You know, a few executives. Uh, the very beginning of the expo, uh, we're on a panel and we're talking a bit about uh, some of the different reasons why uh, costs are so impacted by just fluctuations in commodity prices. And it's in large part because 
they say battery cell innovation has essentially stalled out over the last few years. Um, there's still a lot of research being done, obviously, into uh, you know things like solid state and that sort of thing. But uh, right now, any of the innovation that you're seeing uh, to try to make you know batteries more efficient or cheaper or what have you uh, tends to be coming around the battery, not the battery cell itself, whether it's a battery pack or you know something else within the vehicle, um, uh, which has essentially made this a commodities market. Um, uh, the price of a battery is going to fluctuate, you know, with uh, commodities prices because uh, the battery isn't going to become more efficient um, on its own. Um, so it can sort of counteract those uh, rises in prices. Um, so that's going to be a big issue until there's some sort of breakthrough. Um, solid state is something that we hear about all the time, like with uh, light vehicles, but it's still likely years away until uh, there's something there. So uh, until there's some sort of breakthrough, whatever it might be, uh, the high prices are likely to be a challenge moving forward. Yeah, solid state seems to be the breakthrough that that a lot of companies are really banking on. And um, I, I think you're right. I mean, it really sounds if if we're down to where the price is a product of the, the commodities, the metals going into them, then we're not there, right? The, <laughs> right. the vehicles, the electric vehicles that are being made now, you know, aren't really profitable enough or they aren't priced at a point where you could really replace, you know, 17 million American vehicles a year and 80, 90, 100 million worldwide. So uh, hopefully those scientists keep uh, churning out uh, breakthroughs and hopefully you'll be there to cover them all for us. Thanks, John. Thanks, Jamie. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. You can get the latest news on road safety, electric trucks, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. Thanks to Nathan Kadick for editing today's show. Thanks to the Automotive News multimedia team and web editor Victor Galvan for their help. And thanks to you for listening and making the show part of your daily routine. Now, let's all get back to work.